welcome to episode number 103 of the Better Yet Podcast. I'm Tim Crisp, your host. Better Yet! It's a long-form interview podcast featuring musicians talking about influence, talking about writing, and talking about being around. The Bats, baby. Had a deep dive over the winter, this band, and that whole flying nun scene, the clean, the chills. Now we've got sun, and it's what I want to hear again. It's where I, it's where I want to be. All right. Welcome Episode number 103, Avery Springer, a retirement party, is on the show this week. It's Monday morning. My voice is hoarse from a busy weekend at the Allstate Arena in Rosemont, Illinois, for NXT TakeOver on Saturday. WWE's Money in the Bank pay-per-view. Last night, I actually recorded the Hey All Right uh, a couple days in advance because I knew that I was going to be struggling to get uh, to get it all out today. <laughs> but I had a really lovely weekend of wrestling. I will be talking about it on Postmarktum, my wrestling podcast. Check that out if it's of interest to you. Let's uh, let's rip the bandaid off here. I've got an announcement that I'd like to make. Uh, I'm going to take some time off. Two years of posting Better Yet Weekly. I just need to recoup a little bit, get a few weeks of just not thinking about this thing, uh, this thing that I love, that I've always loved, and will continue to love. Um, I just need to recalibrate. I need some freshness. um, And, you know, I need the type of freshness that doesn't have a return date looming or the pressure of thinking about what I want to do when I get back on it. I kind of just need to not look at a calendar for a little bit and not think about what I'm doing every Wednesday. So I'm going to take some time, uh, a month, maybe two, to just kind of reclaim my free time and breathe a little bit and come back and come back in full confidence with every aspect of of this program um you know there's this has always been a self-motivated endeavor there are certain aspects of it that I will never uh lose any motivation to continue to do but then there's other uh you know kind of minutia that just kind of doesn't stop and I need to not do it for a little bit because it's just what I need you know I appreciate everybody who who I know out there is 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 willing to give me that time that means a great deal to me it's tough to let go and it's tough to not have uh, a return date in mind but when I come back you know I'm coming back full force, and it's going to be great, and I, I can't wait for it. And, yeah, it's just it's just where I'm at right now, and, and, and that's, what, that's what it's going to be. All that being said, this is an interview that I'm proud to share, and I'm proud to let stand at the top of the feed for a while. My guest this week, Avery Springer, a retirement party, retirement party was started 
by Avery in 2016 after she moved to Chicago from Detroit. They're spirited, energetic, and they've got tracks, baby. They recorded their debut EP, Strictly Speaking, just a few weeks after Avery got together with bandmates Nick Cartwright and James Ringness. Sessions for that EP, Avery had already booked before her first practice with these guys. There's this sense of determination that has propelled the homie from the very beginning and a sense that the stars align bringing this unit together, this unit of of individuals who play so well. Retirement Party is homegrown. And their new LP, Somewhat Literate, it's a lot of things. It's reach potential. It's also the forging of a whole new world of possibilities for a young band and a fucking confident band. Even when the confidence feels lacking for Avery, it's the delivery of that uncertainty that I was finding myself so attached to. And did I mention that they've got tracks? Was so excited to talk to Avery about the record and the band's beginnings. So let's get to a bold start of the song. This is Shoulder It, followed by my interview with Avery Springer. is winter time yep that's exactly what it was for me right to spring it's like i want to listen to this one it's like cold Mm -hmm. and bitter yeah the weather started getting nice and i'm like i this just doesn't feel right anymore i know it's funny too because um that revolution summer of like uh there's like embrace and rights of spring and it Mm -hmm. all like leads into fugazi and i just like only associate that stuff with like winter winter time yeah I was just listening. I just had Mercedes from Slow Mass on, and when I heard that record for the first time, it was in January. I was like, "This mm-hmm. is so. This is so perfect. This is like music that you listen to when you're like worried about slipping on ice." Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> yep. 
but you got a good you got like a good experience from the deep dive the discord what prompted it for you what did prompt it for me who did i find that's a really good question. I, all of a sudden, Farrakat was the first band that I listened to from that. For whatever reason, I don't even yeah. remember how, like, but I was like, this is just, I'm like, I've been meaning, like, to get into yeah. Discord. Disc- like, I haven't dove in yet, and so. That shit is so good. Those Farrakat records, yeah. unbelievable. That was, finding that stuff out, too, because mm-hmm. that's, like, I think that's, like, a, a period where you don't, you don't think so much about, like, oh, mid-90s Discord, like, what's mm-hmm. going on? It's, like, Q and Not You comes and, like, picks up a little bit. Right. Those Farrakat records, unbelievable. So good. No I, idea why, like, they haven't, they never really, like... Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They get, like... Didn't do too much. I think that, like, maybe there's a chance. We're, like, revising everything from that time period right mm-hmm. now like maybe farrakat gets it yeah. we'll see what happens i hope that'd be sick <laughs> so where'd you grow up um i grew up in the metro detroit area uh-huh. so uh the suburbs yeah. of, of detroit how uh, close were you to the city i was about 20 minutes out kind yeah. of I, I lived in about six different places throughout my time growing up there but it was all in like the same-ish area uh-huh you kept so, moving around like in the same area? Um, my parents divorced when I was like really young. Oh, and okay. so like just between the two of them, we lived in like a couple, couple yeah. different places. But I only moved schools once. Like it was nice. So oh, I was okay. able to kind of yeah, keep yeah. that. Cause that's, you say you're that's not like you're not the new kid six times before you're 18. Right. That would be you know, rough. Yeah. So what, what, um, your dad stick around in in the area? Still? Yeah. My, my dad moved once and that's when we changed schools. Uh. They were my parents were public school teachers um, oh, okay. as well. So like big about public schools. So we moved schools once. I lived in a city called Troy. Okay. Um, and then my mom kind of moved around, and but it, it wasn't all that bad. Like again, yeah. I, having the home base at least in the school and being able to like make friends that way was, was yeah nice. For sure. And, yeah. For sure. You good with both of them? Oh yeah. 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 Um, they still teaching. Um, my, my dad actually, it was my dad and stepmom who were teachers. Uh, my dad is retiring. He's 50 and he decided that he wanted to, him and my stepmom and my little brother, they wanted to move to Florida. Uh Um, they just, they, they've been talking about it for like five years and like once, yeah. Cause I've got two siblings, one a year older, one a year younger. Uh Um, and they're like, okay, once you guys are all off at college, um, my, my dad's got his tenure, you know, he's reached his point where he gets, uh, you know benefits and uh if he retires and so he's like yeah we're just gonna i'm gonna retire we're gonna move to florida uh-huh. and so yeah Man, so i was on that track way back in the day <laughs> I fucked up could have just stomached my my moral obligation <laughs> or my moral you know yeah. difficulties that i had with public schooling god retire at 50 um so then is that is that a half sibling then yeah That's, half sibling he's uh-huh. 10 years old How's he? Oh, all right? I love him. Yeah, we we get along. I'm the only one of my uh, full siblings who like bullies him a little. Like gives him the little like you know we we have a yeah. lot of fun. We're really close. Uh huh. Um, but you know I'm the old. Last time I was there, I like beat him in Mario Kart or oh, something no like way. that. And no one's beat him in Mario Kart in years. You can hold and the kid that like forever. he he was visibly upset. He uh-huh. like got mad at me, and I'm like, dude, because I you know I'm bragging a little bit. I'm yeah, like, yeah, okay, yeah. let me. Uh-huh. Let me have this. You got to learn how to lose. That's that's what mm-hmm. that's what it's all about when you're ten years old. So you're oh, you're yeah. full siblings. You're in the you're in the middle. What what are the other ones up to? Yeah, the other ones they're they're both in school uh, in Michigan. 
Uh-huh. Um, both going to be my brother's going into mechanical engineering, my sister biomedical. Uh huh. Um, wow. And so I, I'm I'm mushed between two really smart siblings. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm going yeah. to school for music business. Right. Um, <laughs> most of the time, not even like go like I'm touring instead of. Yeah, 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 for sure. So well, you're doing the, I don't the know. big one in the yeah. summer. It's not yeah, like you're doing it exactly. in the middle of the semester. I'm like I'm responsible. I'm, uh-huh. Next semester, I'm taking classes online. Yeah. Because so, we've got touring planned in the fall uh-huh so well, that's good doing, that's good. you know i'm responsible uh-huh. about it there and you're you're only saying that like because you kind of have to right they're mm-hmm. not like what are you doing over there right yeah okay oh yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so was there was there music in the house when you were growing up um there was some not really the music that i grew to be into but um my my parents um actually met in musical theater uh-huh. Um. So they met doing. I. Whoa, I don't know yeah, what production. Yeah, yeah. Oh come um, on! I know. I should know this. Uh-huh. Oh, it's I right. don't. I it's don't. Right. I'm trying. Were they both? Were they both uh, performers? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And my dad actually. He's a. He was a theater teacher. Uh huh. Um, yeah, oh, okay. So he did that, but my mom, like, uh, from like sh- when she was in high school, she went to like a performing, uh, like charter, not even charter. She went like in couple hours away went to a performing arts high school and like oh, wow. was set to like you know give a go at going on broadway and all that stuff but uh-huh. she was like eh, i want to have kids and ended up were getting a communications like community degree theater? yeah they uh-huh. were doing that together and that's yeah. where that's where they met but so um yeah both my my siblings who are really close in age with me um they both kind of took to doing theater i was in a production or two when i was like really little because uh-huh. my dad would like if they needed kid roles yeah um in the high school plays he would like throw us in there uh-huh. and it was fun it was yeah, cool i enjoyed sure. it but um my brother and sister were the ones who stuck with that more because uh-huh. i had a athletic ability yeah and they did not uh-huh. and so so what um, were you playing I was playing, uh, my big sport was softball. Yeah. I, I played that really competitively. It was kind of on track to do that in college and like, oh, wow. Um, do all that stuff. But what, what position did you play? Just about everything throughout like yeah. my whole time. Um, I mainly played like second base or shortstop. Um, I'm like an, an I'm, in, I'm an analytical yeah. person. I like uh-huh. to think about the game like strategically. Yeah. Like that's, you know, I had enough strength and speed, but I was like definitely more of like, you know, yeah, had the analytical side of it, but so I, I mainly did that, and then played like other sports as well. But yeah, that was the well. You have to be one. good if you're playing second base and shortstop. Like you, they they don't put like the slouches in there. They put them in on first base, right? First base, yeah, first base. Or I, I definitely had my, you know, I, I did a little bit of my outfield, my my right field. You yeah, know, I, yeah, I had yeah. a little bit of that. But. Uh huh. <laughs> that was only that was only to give the other kids a chance. Yeah. Though. Like don't don't you don't have yeah. to be humble in here. <laughs> so were, were you into it? But you were into like the science of the game too. So were you like mm-hmm. watching a lot when you were growing up? Yeah, I mean fan? we were yeah, a yeah. huge Tigers fan. My whole family like we we were big baseball people, and I think uh-huh. that's why like I took to the sport a lot. But yeah, yeah. So I I I've kind of drifted away from it. What happened was um I stopped playing softball after my freshman year in high school. I played varsity, uh-huh. um, and I kind of was. I goofed off a lot on the team, yeah. and like I was one of the f- two freshmen, and the other one was like obviously going to go play in college and all that stuff. Uh-huh. But so like I kind of became the team pet because yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah. all right, all these people are older than me, and I'm, I'm intimidated by them and all uh-huh. this stuff. And so like I was like, cool, I'm gonna make a fool of myself. Yeah, and I did, and it was a lot of fun, and like that's how I got to know everyone. And the coach like seemed total. It was this old dude. Yeah, and he like seemed cool with it and everything. But then um. 
he like at the end of the season we had like a meeting together and i was starting uh-huh. to get more into playing music anyways at this point yeah but he was like if you mess around like this next year I'm not putting you on the team and i was like you okay got, this like, seems yeah, weird yeah, yeah, and yeah. yeah i'm like uh why okay, didn't you okay. say this at the beginning okay guy uh-huh. yeah but that's that's ridiculous but you know I mean, so, everybody every team's got one of those and for me too i think that that's like i'll always take the opportunity to be you know the butt of a joke within a group because that's great everybody's mm-hmm. having a good time as long as as long as it doesn't get personal as long exactly as I don't it, it was a, like, it made it fun for me and like i definitely because i played so competitively like at times i i struggled with enjoying the game yeah and like that's kind of where my downfall came because it was so competitive and totally. i wasn't having as much fun and so i was like you know what i kind of would rather be playing guitar anyways all the time yeah and so i just the next season like i i didn't show up to tryouts and just stop playing sports i honestly like have barely picked up like a bat or ball since and so yeah I, I rarely even watch the game i like moved to chicago and i was like sick i'm gonna like go to a cubs game i've been to a white Sox game but of yeah. course when i moved here was when they won the world series so Just tickets i'm like I can't, now i can't now yeah. i can't afford tickets once they once they like redid the stadium it became really expensive and yeah, it's like now they gotta like reform their identity because they're not they're not what they've been for the last hundred and ten years. Yeah. Um. But the music bug had hit. Like when you when you remember like first getting interested, I guess into into rock music mm-hmm. as opposed to the was were there like theater like was a musical theater like something that was being played in the house? Was there rock music? A little bit of that. Um. A little bit of musical theater. It was a lot of just like they played the popular radio station like uh-huh. the one around us 96.3 all the hits without the rap and that's the kind of yeah that's, that's the, what they said that was the tagline uh-huh. and so of course that's what yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. like we listen so but um yeah the actual music bug started hitting around like 12 13 years old uh-huh. and like that's when like you know i got an ipod and i got to like uh you know, download music on my own without like my parents. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like going to FYE and getting a CD or something. Right. What we find in that was like really making an impact. You oh, think? It, it was Green Day. Yeah. That was the one band. I mean, for sure. Like, because I knew the stuff from the radio uh-huh. and I was like, well, this is kind of cool. And then I finally like got a guitar and I went to my first guitar lesson. Um, and my teacher was like, all right, what are you into? And mm-hmm. I was like, what? what am I into? I'm like, what do I like? And what I was like, cool. What question. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm like, Oh no, I didn't even think about this. Like yeah. I should have uh-huh. me being as anxious of a person as I am. Like, I'm yeah. like, Oh my God. Like I didn't even think of this question, <laughs> but so I was like, okay, I know enough green day songs, but I, you know, like green day. Cool. Yeah. So we learned a couple green day songs and then I was like, all right, I got to go home and listen to more of their stuff. Cause yeah. like I got to come prepared next time. Uh-huh. Um, and then I just dove into the discography and like for a whole year, all I listened to was the entire Green Day discography, yeah. like Bisa, everything. So I, like I good. watched all the interviews, all the, you know, I'm a 12 year old who doesn't have many obligations. And right. so I just spent like all my time listening to and watching videos and sitting doing all this on, stuff. Sitting on YouTube, watching part four out of six of Green oh. Day Behind the Music. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> that kind of, yep, that, that's exactly, it was funny because I would go on and like, you could search Green Day or Green Day with any word after them, yeah. and all of the videos on YouTube were in purple because uh-huh. I had already watched them. Like, right. it was like, I that's had so seen funny. it all, you know, that was like my obsession. I didn't even know 
who like Blink One Eighty Two really was. Uh-huh. I knew all the small things, but yeah. like you know when people would be like, "Oh, you're into Green Day," like you, do you listen to Blink? Blink, and I'm like, right, uh, yeah. "There's no like, oh right, because they're part of this like subheading of of alternative rock music." Of course, like, yeah, none of that. I was that's a kid there. who knew one band, but I knew the band uh-huh. really, really well. Uh-huh. I still, yeah. <laughs> so how did how did it expand outward? Were you like meeting kids in high school that were like? you know, a little bit more aware of like, oh, well, you know, here are the offshoots of Green Day, mm-hmm. things like that. Not not at all, actually. Really? I, you know, looking at it now from where I grew up and stuff, I was, I was alone in my music journey with uh-huh. like finding, you know, bands and stuff. So like middle school, I started like branching out a little bit more, um, you know, into like Blink-182, some 41. And then I had a teacher actually in eighth grade who, um, Gave me. He saw me. I had just seen Blink One Eighty Two, and I, I, of course, the first school day back, I wore my shirt that that was like, yeah, I went, Uh I went and saw them. Right. Like I'm, I'm cool. Um, (laughs) and he was like, oh, you know, it's like the first week of school. He's like, hey, you into like Blink One Eighty Two? I'm like, yeah, I, I like them. Clearly. Duh. I just saw them, and um, he was, he, we just started talking about music because he's like, yeah, they were like one of my favorite bands growing Uh up, and because he obviously like was into them and knew them in the the 90s and Uh all this stuff and we started talking and he made me this uh like it was actually a dvd it wasn't a cd because Uh there were so many songs on it oh there were a couple thousand songs yeah um just of like a lot of punk bands but a lot of like mxpx and mill and colin Mm -hmm. and like that kind of level of punk yeah i guess or era um so the early i guess 2000s right um but that was kind of what started my Your music discovery because I was yeah. like, whoa, like this stuff is sick and um, kind of branched out from there and was able to find bands similar. And, uh-huh. um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Come a so long way since. You you mentioned uh, you mentioned kind of offhanded, you know, being a, being an anxious kid. You're always mm-hmm. kind of dealing with that, with that social anxiety. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of the type of thing where I'm always just thinking of the questions that are going to be asked and thinking of like, you know, my next move, what people, uh, how they perceive me and things like that, that definitely, um, you know, played a role in trying to be a very likable person. Yeah. Um, as a kid. And and that's when like, it was in middle school as well that I kind of found, I became, I transformed from the quiet kid into, oh my God, people laugh when I, when I do things or say things. Yeah, for sure. Cool. I'm going to do that. Uh And like, oh, I'm, I'm making friends and like, Sort of like combat the like nervousness mm-hmm. of, of all of it by just being like, ah, here I am. <laughs> yeah. As long as, as long as like you keep things going, you keep a dialogue going, it's just like, all right, now I don't have to like sit and like wait and then mm-hmm. ask so much of myself. I'm, I'm only, yeah. and, and if I'm projecting, like, stop me because I feel like uh-huh. a lot of the, I feel like I had a lot of the similar like, instincts too especially when it came to like you know being the the goof off on the team or like the class clown i guess mm-hmm. is the it's like what else am i gonna do i don't know I don't, yeah <laughs> i don't know what else to do with myself other than to like make the conversation happen right so um when you started when you started uh playing did you start writing right away um yeah actually like i because I and even to this day, I'm not as much I'm, I'm trying to learn more covers and learn more of other people's songs uh-huh. because from so early on, I was like writing just terrible, terrible songs. I like had, you know, my really shitty acoustic guitar. Sure. It was my first guitar. And, I, you know, I'd sit and write 
love songs at the age of 13 uh-huh. about like I'm like I don't even know what like love is in like even remotely like why right. am I doing this and uh-huh. they were just like really bad songs like but, they like, weren't for anybody in particular no it was no just, no like, no it was just so me like so being like songs yeah like, it's me being like okay what do people write songs about uh-huh. okay love like I can a, I can one do of that two <laughs> yeah but so I, I spent like a lot of time as I was learning like uh-huh. just kind of messing around on my own um playing things just in my room by myself writing songs that were just absolutely terrible but that's just how i spent my time Uh uh-huh when do you think it started getting better (laughs) okay actually there there was a distinct moment this song also sucked but Uh i wrote a song um on it was december 21st or 20th of 2012 right before the world was supposed to end that one time all right that one time you know um and it was called Doomsday. I into that one a little bit, but I'm just going <laughs> to yeah. say it. Like, and, I was a little scared about that one. And so did my dad. And uh-huh. so what happened, I grew up in a, a really strict, not not really strict, but a, a Catholic home. Oh, okay. Um, and, you know, I, I grew up with that and, like, had some, there were some, you know, that was one strain that I once had on a relationship with, like, some of my family was uh-huh. because I'm not religious. Yeah. Um, but... It was that day, the day before the world was supposed to end, uh-huh. that we were just going. We were going to confession yeah. as a family, and like my dad's like, "No, it's just because it's the holiday season, and we right. should be doing this." And I'm like, Got "Nothing really? to do with." I'm the like, minds. "Really?" And uh-huh. so I sat home and I wrote a three chord punk song called yeah. "Doomsday," uh-huh. and it was just like making fun of the fact that like, oh, the world's gonna end. Let's confess our sins yeah, and let's yeah, like. Yeah. Oh, did you hear it's doomsday or something? It's not a uh-huh. good song, but that's the first song I remember writing where I was like, oh, "Yeah, yo, right. like I actually uh-huh. like this. This feels real. This is like, yeah." So that was a pivotal moment for did me. Did you show it to people? Were you playing yet? I showed it to like my sister. Uh huh. I, you know, I think a couple years ago, like when I was in my first band, like I showed it to them. I'm like, "Yo, the I wrote this song once. You want to hear it? It's the uh-huh. first song that I like." wrote that i'm like proud of. like yeah, yeah some yeah. shit like that but no one really ever heard it i still wasn't showing people stuff at that point point. and you said the name of this band in amanda's interview and i'm trying not to hit on all of the same things <laughs> that you and amanda talked about but you gotta say it here reptile on ice fantastic thank you <laughs> so good. i i wish i came up with it what happened we were actually called i when i before I joined, uh, we were called The Villains. Uh-huh. And there are just like four other bands in Detroit called yeah. The Villains. And uh-huh. I was like, guys, this isn't going to fly. Me being like joining and being the oldest kid. And I'm like, nope. Like, we we need to make listen, a brand for listen, ourselves. We I need don't to- know much. I don't know much. But I know that you're not supposed to have the same name <laughs> yeah. as anybody else. Yeah, exactly. Let alone four other bands. <laughs> yeah. So the villains didn't work. You picked Reptar and I. Fantastic episode of the Rugrats. Um, <laughs> that's funny. When did it, well? When did uh, Elton John Cena start? You sing I got the big guy right up there. Love it. Yeah. Elton John Cena. So when I moved to Chicago, um, I was hanging out with a friend. We were sitting on a train, stoned out of our minds, going to Kenosha. Uh-huh. Um, and I like, I was just like. Elton John Cena. Like, I just came up with a name. Uh-huh. I'm like, I have yeah. to use this for something. I was right. thinking about before and after, like, names and, like, how ridiculous some of those are. And I was like, oh, no, what it's have perfect. I done? Yeah, and yeah. so I had two songs that I had recorded that I hadn't released, uh-huh. um, just, like, acoustic stuff. And I was like, well, all right, I'm going to put these out and it's going to be under Elton John Cena. Yeah. So this was after you'd moved. Yes. And you came to Chicago uh, 
for school, but yeah. also like you want it to be for school. Right. Quotation uh-huh. marks. <laughs> or not quote. Yeah. What do you What are you in school for technically? For music business. Uh huh. We know where you when you pick that. Like, what was the what was the intention? Like, what part of that you know broad term were mm-hmm. you really interested in? Well, I I love branding, uh-huh. and like I I'm really more on like the marketing side of things, but I I love marketing music and Uh doing that kind of thing and thinking about all of that and from like when I was in high school doing that with my own bands as well as like do I didn't manage any other bands but I kind of I was the person that like give advice or like do you know I just loved that side of things I love looking into like PR campaigns and like things like that and so I was like you know and my my only other my only strength really was when I took business classes in high school uh-huh and just got the brain for yeah that. I, I I'm not math science I'm I'm none of the other things that my siblings were so I was like cool I'm gonna take my two loves and or things that I'm good at and try to make them work yeah and so but it but it was also like yeah I want to go because there's not much not much going on in Detroit I'm guessing no yeah. <laughs> no. I didn't want to People like, think like, oh, like, Motown yeah. and like all this stuff. I'm like, mm, but you yeah, see, like there's so little. 50 years and, ago. And, and there are people like doing things now. Uh-huh. Like the couple friends that I did have in the, you know, in the city playing music. And I just started to meet people before I moved, of course. Yeah, right. But, um, you know, they're doing cool things now for sure. But there's so little in Detroit when uh-huh. it comes to music and music business. And, it's, and you're just like on the internet and you're like, Look at this! Look at this scene that's happening here. All these bands mm-hmm. seem to know each other, and you know, start they're starting bands with each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, when you came down here, was it was it what you'd imagined? More than that, for sure. Yeah, I, I didn't really know what to expect. I knew there was good music in Chicago, and there was a lot of it. But uh-huh. again, I didn't really know what to expect. Um, and yeah, it was definitely more than I could have imagined. Um, and just like, you know, the, the community around it, it's not the kind of like, it, it, it's just a really encouraging environment. Yeah. I know I've said Did that, you know anybody when you came down here? No. Um, I, I knew, I knew one person who was moving here two weeks after I did. Uh-huh. Um, I didn't know anyone <laughs> when I moved here. So how did you, what did you do? Did you just start going to shows and. Yeah. Cause I moved here two weeks after I graduated high school. Um, mm-hmm. I had a job lined up that I could work full-time and then part-time school. So I'm kind of, I'm still on that route doing, it's at an insurance office. Uh It's not my favorite thing in the world, but it pays the bills and it's like, yeah, Yeah. they, they, so far, yeah, they've, so I was nervous about asking for these six weeks and they were cool, but, um, for now. Yeah. Yeah. So I moved here and I was subletting in Lincoln Park, uh, the only neighborhood that my parents were like, I know that like, okay, you can go here. Uh-huh. Like, go live here for yeah. a couple, uh-huh. but from a couple of DePaul kids, um, and right. and then you get here and you're like, all right, now I gotta, I gotta go yeah. that. And way. then yeah, and then I just fake, you know, found myself always going to like Wicker Park, Logan Square for shows and yeah. stuff, and just I would just show up places because I didn't know a lot of people. I was uh-huh. like, well, you know, I'd go to work and I'd go to shows. Yeah, and that's kind of what do I with did. That room, you know, like going back to like the. Uh, you know, class clown, goofball on the softball team. You're going into you're going into rooms with people you don't know very well. Yeah, and... that was definitely a lot more intimidating, and I don't know that that side of me necessarily came out at first. Uh-huh. Um, well, not the goofball part, but well, you're not like yeah, the one but that's I, like I had cracking to... jokes at the show. <laughs> uh-huh. I had to be uh, definitely outgoing. Like I'm still impressed with my the ability because you know my anxiety does play into things a lot more now. But yeah. um, 
yeah, like I, I had to be outgoing and just go talk to people. And that's just kind of how I ended up like meeting people. The first summer I was here, the big uh, thing that my big introduction to a lot of people was at Wicker Park Fest. Yeah. Um, I was chilling. I went alone as uh-huh. I did for everything. Hell yeah. And I, I was starting to meet a couple people at that point. Uh-huh. And um, my friend Kayla was was there and saw me and was like, hey, Avery, come here. Come hang with us. Yeah. And it was just a group of like probably 15 to 20 people that I all like, you know, that are now like all my friends. And so for the two days that weekend, there was like a group of like four of us that hung out like the whole time. But that's when I started, like I was introduced to everyone and like Kayla was like, Hey, you know, Avery plays music. Avery's good at music. And they're all like Uh sick, like come just hang out with us. And, and you know, it's a lot of meeting people and then you just see them everywhere it shows. And so that yeah, was the time sure. that I got to like, like, hey, hey, get to know, know people more. Times a week. The- it's got to be nice, too, to just like, you know, you kind of take a leap of faith going somewhere where you don't know anybody and you hope based on like what you perceive to be happening that it'll be cool and then it's cool. And then also you're like, you're able to work it. You, mm-hmm. You're good. You're yeah. good, right? It, it worked out well. <laughs> so how did how did you start playing? with uh with the retirement party crew yeah so um the one friend that i knew here prior uh was kevin who Uh was the old bassist for retirement party Uh um he moved here two weeks after i did okay (laughs) but we were like cool like he was from rockford so he knew more people in the city right um than i did and we're like well we got to play music together because that's you know all we do Uh (laughs) uh-huh and um so he was like, hey, like, I think I know, like, someone who might want to play lead guitar. And mm-hmm. it was Nick, um, who works yeah. at Sub T. And so I was, I had showed up there. You want to see know? my impression? I've never, I've oh never talked God. to Nick before, but I, I, uh, so I hope that he, he takes kindly to mm-hmm. my impression of him, like, seeing him do uh, sound at, at Sub T. It's like this. Can you not put your drink on that? Thanks. <laughs> Can you not put your drink on that? Thanks. Yeah. Yep. Poor guy. I'm just uh-huh. like, oh, man. But, yeah. Yeah, it's, yep, uh uh-huh, that's pretty, that's pretty accurate, um, but yeah, so I had met him from just, like, we actually met, uh, for the first time, because he, he, like, came up to me and was like, hey, like, Kevin's talked to me about, you know, playing in a band, I'm Nick, like, Uh you know, we just met that way, and we'd hang out at shows, like, that's how we got to know each other, was just me coming to Sub T and, like, hanging out yeah, as yeah, much. yeah. like that's uh-huh. just i kind of went there and just hung out uh-huh. like a lot of time because i was there so often for shows yeah for sure um but yeah so then we finally got together the three of us and jammed out some songs that i had written uh-huh um we needed a drummer nick's like well this guy who plays in my other band uh-huh. probably will be down for this yeah, yeah, yeah and so then the four of us just played and it was like cool we're gonna record an ep now and yeah, and you that booked that time. Yes. Tell me about that, because that's, yeah, that's well, insane to me. They are just like, all right, well, I'm yes. just going to book this time <laughs> and like hope everything comes together? Uh-huh. Or were you just like, if I do this, I ha- I'm going to have to make it happen? Yeah. Originally, I, I had written all those five first five songs um, like basically when I moved here like yeah. that summer because again i didn't really do much besides go to shows go to work and just play in my room uh-huh. um and so wrote all those and then i had a friend who lived in iowa that was a drummer and like knew myself like we were 
best friends mm-hmm. um i was like well i gotta get this like stuff out here like i you know i just want to be making music and doing all of this and mm-hmm. so he agreed that if i couldn't find a drummer by the time that it came to record that he would come do it yeah um and so i had that locked down and i'm like you know, I already wrote the guitar parts for this and like uh-huh. I could do bass like if this doesn't come together or right. like Kevin could do it, you know, if this doesn't come together, then I'll make it work. Uh-huh. But it did. So didn't have to do that. It's crazy too, you know, listening to that and it's, it's very tight. It's like really, it's a really, really good recording. It doesn't like sound like you had a month to prepare it sounds like yeah this is this is the band's first thing it's not avery and and these guys and the way things have like kind of continued to progress for uh you know i know i know kevin's out of the picture now but you got you got nick and james do you ever talk about the fact that like it's just crazy that it's that it's working on so many different levels that there's like the same Mm -hmm. ambition from everybody and you all are tight and like clearly in sync with each other yeah we we do talk about that sometimes you know we'll we'll be stoned or we'll we'll be Uh just hanging real hard and we'll be like guys like this is so sick like how do we come across each other like Uh well because it Uh it it just worked out it was one of those things that's like how the hell did i like meet these musicians who um, almost immediately were 100 percent invested and like again were kind of all in the mindset of like well let's take this thing as far as we can and like how did i end up with that yeah. like i i feel very lucky and like again i didn't even know james before we practiced together the first time it, and now and right. now we're you know we're best friends and i right. i got lucky in that sense it's so crazy and so crazy to think that like you know i feel like the way that story kind of starts is like you know yeah let's start a band okay cool sounds great and there's that shit happens all the time Mm -hmm. it never comes through the way that it did i love that so and then you recorded that with seth how'd you meet him was he yeah just meet him Um, he's around again was at wicker park fest and i had the the first two like friends that i had made from that um were Corey willis and logan bloom who's been playing bass with us like it was me Corey, logan and kayla who were Uh basically hanging out like those two days and it was it was really cool to meet them but i was like you know i was texting Corey at one point i'm like uh, I need to record. Who should I go to? Yeah. And he's like, hey, what gives just recorded with Seth? He's cool. You can afford him. Yeah. Like, you know, Perfect. he'll do a great job. And so I hit up Seth and that was that. Was that. I was like, yeah, sick, yeah, yeah. we'll book the time. And So you, and you know, there's a lot of like excitement going around and, and these songs are all kind of coming together in that, that summertime um, where you're spending a lot of time like, out and then alone and then out mm-hmm. and then alone and you know the songs on strictly speaking those songs are pretty rough like you know is it is your headspace like you think you're just kind of taken in like it's just a lot of like changes and yeah i i think it's definitely that um because you know it's weird to even think about my life like two years ago yeah. when I was still like living it. Like the the difference is just insane. And like I wouldn't have it any other way, but kind of growing up and becoming an adult and doing all of that thing. And like, you know, facing mental health problems throughout all of that and being somewhat alone in all of that. Yeah. Um, you know, it, you get, it was. You get, when you got like a busy brain and then you get to mm-hmm. a place and like, I feel like the first six months of living here are kind of just like, getting used to 
the way the rhythm of the place works, you Definitely. know, and it's like you get you found your places and you found your people, but there's still just a, a level of functionality where it's like none of this exists around you. You have to figure your yeah. shit out here. Uh-huh. Um, and it's not easy just like jump in two weeks from graduating high school to come in here. No, and, and I didn't even, it wasn't really planned. It was the last week of high school and I got a call because I got this job through some extended family and I, I got a call uh-huh. in class one day that's like, um, hey, Avery, do you want to come early to Chicago and work here? We need someone to do this job. Yeah. And I was like, uh, yeah, uh-huh. sure. And yeah. I like texted my mom and I was like, um, so how do you feel about me like moving in three weeks uh-huh. to Chicago? And we made it happen and it was, but it was it was cool. I was ready for an adventure. I was kind of, I was done. I'm, I feel I, a lot of times I find myself being like the youngest one in the group that I am in or yeah. hanging out with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so by the time that, you know, senior year of high school came, I was completely disconnected from anything there. Yeah. It was kind of that, that year itself was kind of rough because I was just so like, I, I, I was very disconnected. I didn't have a lot of friends in the sense that like, again, the music thing, I, you know, most of the people that I met, I met through the internet because uh-huh. it's like that's where I could go to talk about music and discover stuff and yeah. do all of that. Um, so like I, I was just always kind of a, you know a step ahead in that sense. So when I moved here, I was like very very ready to in a weird way. Uh huh. But still like there's still just a lot of uplifting oh, going on mm-hmm. and all that. Yeah, it was weird for sure. Took, um, took some getting used to. Because you and you put out strictly speaking, and then. You got your first like EP, I guess, with Elton John Cena. Mm-hmm. Um, are you are you always writing? Is there, is there regularity always. to it? Yeah, I'm at least always trying to. Um, uh-huh. Like I I went through a pretty bad like I'll, I'll write a lot really consistently and mm-hmm. then I'll like hit a dry patch and I'll sit and try all the time. Like I'm yeah. always writing and it's never really with an agenda in mind Mm it's like i kind of write what comes to me like recently i've even um i've been writing things that wouldn't fit with retirement party or elton john cena and it's like uh cool i guess like um that's a really good thing to be doing i think yeah i mean it it feels good but it's like well do i get another band going do i put these songs like away on the back burner but it Uh also gets frustrating because i'm like you know, I've barely written any retirement party songs since we finished the record in May. Well, you just finished a record. I, well, but it was last May, and it's been a year uh-huh. since I finished writing that. And I'm like, I'm kind of freaking out, but I, you know, I have to remember because everything happened has happened so fast. I'm like, hey, Very hey, fast. like, don't beat yourself up because uh-huh. this is not something that's yeah. out of the normal. Like, you're, you're okay. <laughs> you're totally okay. It's and it, it, it's funny too, you know, to think about like how quickly that's all gone and to think about like because what i really like about the very quick evolution of retirement party and we'll get into this a little bit more but the jump that you make from strictly speaking into uh somewhat literate the presentation of yourself and the way that you talk about yourself on somewhat literate it is so much more forgiving and like good to you just internally good in comparison that's there's not a lot of time that happens in between those things but like you're not you're beating 
the shit out of yourself <laughs> on Strictly Speaking. Yeah. Someone literate, you're just like, all right, I'm a little weird. And, and that's okay. Yeah. And that's that's the whole, you know, that's part of the process that is very real. It's reality in the sense that, mm-hmm. like, growing from, you know, beating myself up all the time into kind of accepting who I am and, and what I am. Right. And accepting the weird things that I do and, you know, whatever in that sense. There's... um. There's a line on, in theory, from the Elton John Cena uh, EP. I like that song a lot from, you know, this is, there's a lot of insight that I think th- that I get from you, a line like it's kind of my thing to write sad songs that sound pretty happy. That's like kind of become like your mantra. Yeah. <laughs> um, putting that and because, you know, your your songs are bubbly and they're catchy but then there's, you know, it's also, it's always kind of underpinned underpinned by some sort of, like, self-reflective mm-hmm. sentiment. I like that you branded it that way. I think well, that's fucking great. It's Thank like, it, there's so much ownership in that. Did you feel like, did you feel like you were in the process of, like, taking it up in that way and, like, deciding that, like, all right, this is, like, how it's got to be? Yeah, I mean, like... I'm really happy you like brought that up because that, that yeah. you know that was something that I I kind of came across and I was like I like the songs that I write when they sound like you know I've tried to write and I I have since but like you know sad stuff that sounds sad all the time and right. things like that but it was just what was coming out of me very organically was you know I I, I listened to Green Day it's the first band those are all yeah. those are almost all like major songs that like you know sound happy like from very early on I was just always writing songs in major keys that are very happy but I'm like well you know what can I write that comes from me right like that comes from deep down and then it's like well all right this is just what it is and I kind of became like self-aware of that and was like cool I'm gonna write this song i remember hearing aside by the weaker thans for the first time and like mm-hmm. that's something that i kind of always go back to that song is so goddamn catchy it's so yes. it's such a banger and it's just like it's it's about how he's too thin and like yeah. how he feels shitty all no the time. and that that's actually a one of the like one of my favorite songs and it's for so that reason great. i was like look at this like uh-huh. i, I want to write songs like this yeah um you know, and that, that that chorus line too. You know, of like I'm not okay, but I'm okay in theory. I think that that's something that you know, it's 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 one of those, you know, it represents really well. I think the discrepancy between like what you present and like what's going on internally. That like you know that there's mm-hmm. a disconnect between like you know I'm sure that you isn't, isn't that great? <laughs> it just like pops up with these. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're the bubbly kid at the shows who's like stoked to meet everybody, but inside it's like, uh, just kind of constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I know that you talk a lot about, um, or you have been talking a lot about how therapy was, you know, influential in kind of putting some illiterate together. So when, if you don't mind me asking about the, like that side of things. Yeah, I mean, I, I started therapy just about when we were actually recording Strictly Speaking, and uh-huh. that's when I started writing the record. Um, and a lot of it came from just the introspective view mm-hmm. that I was working through with my therapist because I, I, you know, I would have depressive episodes 
that mm-hmm. I did not know where they came from. I didn't know how to control anything. I was just like unable to do anything. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, and that's even where the title Somewhat Literate comes from. It's come from like working through this kind of stuff, becoming very aware of my brain and how it works. Yeah. And, you know, I realized that I've got certain like deep rooted issues and that came mm-hmm. up and it was like, oh man, so this is why I feel like this when this happens. Right. And like, it, you know, and that's also where like the forgiving sense kind of comes in with somewhat literate is, um, you know, I'm learning how to not hate myself because of all that stuff. Yeah. And that's a hard thing because one of my biggest problems is that, uh, you know, I get depressed or anxious over a certain thing and then I get mad at myself for it because like, definitely, you know, I'm like finally becoming aware of why it's happening. I'm like, no, like I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be feeling this way. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. Right. Like I'm already down and now I'm just like stomping myself because Mm -hmm. of it. Yeah. My therapist was like, hey, like you're feeling this way, but like, you're mostly upset right now because you're mad at yourself for feeling this way. Right. You can't be. Like, it's like, yeah, I feel, I feel like it's something that you kind of like instinctually like create, like, you know, if you don't know why you're sad about something, then it makes sense that you would like figure out something to just like focus on. It's like, well, you know, I'm the one that's here. I might as well just get mad at myself over mm-hmm. it. It's fucking hard. It's it's fucking hard when it's your when it's your brain too. There's it's yeah. not like you it's not like you hurt your knee and you can figure out that your knee hurts because you ran too much. Like we came home, we were just in we were just in Europe and um felt came back, felt good for like 3 days and then like all the jet lag just like kind of caught up to me. My brain stopped working for mm-hmm. a few days and I'm just like this sucks. All the things that I want to do, I can't do because my my brain's not working mm-hmm. and then you just get pissed at yourself yeah nothing else to do yep that's a lot of where i've been for if, sure but it's it it was fucking dope to read someone literate and just take you know all of these things that that you're not feeling about yourself and it's just like well you know there's no anger towards it mm-hmm. it's not like you're you that you found a good spot to put it into yeah, I mean writing writing the record like that that was therapeutic in a sense. It's definitely therapeutic to get that stuff out there. Like I, I'm not the type of person that like, you know, I'm feeling sad. I sit down and write a song about it. That's not necessarily how I am. It's it's a lot more like big picture to me. Yeah. You know, um, a lot of times when I'm down, I can't even like write, and I can't I can't do things like that. I can't yeah, bring. Definitely. But um, yeah, it and and you know, getting that out there in a sense. Um, also is like releasing this music is definitely therapeutic, um, where it's like, cool, this is who you are Uh and this is okay. And for once you're going to share it with people. And, and that, cause that was something, I mean, growing up, um, a lot of times very early on when I would like write songs, like with my first band, like I'm going to tell my parents, like, this isn't about me. Don't worry. Right. Like this is yeah, just yeah. I'm just creating a character uh-huh. or like a story or something like this isn't about me because I was super self-conscious about how I was feeling and like things I was experiencing and I was like wait, like I can't you know th- re- this is definitely the most personal music that I've ever released. Yeah. And um in a sense getting that out there is like, well, you're an open book in 
in this way. Well, I think what's nice about it is that, you know, I think that the way that you present it, it's like, it's self-deprecating, but it's not, it's not Mm self-depreciating. And when you're able to, you know, talk about yourself in a way that's like open, but it's not hateful, everybody that's hearing it is going to be able to identify with that and appreciate the honesty. Whereas like, you know, you write something about like how much you hate yourself and yeah, maybe people are going to like identify with it, but they're not going to be like, yo, fucking right. Like yeah. this, this is how I feel too, right? Like, aren't, uh-huh. isn't it great to just have this there? <laughs> and not to say like, you know, the, I think that there's just something that like, there's a goodness that, you know, you can glean on when you hear something that's presented in a way that's like also like, you know, somewhat uplifting, but yeah, or encouraging. everybody that can relate to it is just like, yeah, that's, it is okay. It is okay that I, you know, feel like a loser sometimes. Um, the writing process, I mean, there has to be like a lot of differences between, you know, having, all right, here's five songs. You guys can, uh, do this on them as opposed to like now you're tight you're a unit so was it were you putting it all together kind of as you went yeah for sure um you know i i write the skeleton of the song um kind of by myself normally and that's even changing now but for somewhat literate it was all like my part my lyrics and my melody and originally i would bring them to nick and we'd sit down the whole reason that i think um that we thank Reggae Night at Subterranean uh-huh. in our liner yeah. notes um, is because Nick always had Thursday nights off uh-huh. because he wasn't running sound. And so what would happen I you is... you were going <laughs> and like listening to the Triffids together and realizing like, oh, this shit is legit. <laughs> nope. But so it became uh, just a thing on Thursdays that we would get together and work on whatever, you know... We would just we we spent hours and hours demoing things out, but most importantly, like working on making our two guitars like fit together, and then it would kind of things would come from there, and yeah. we'd bring them to the rest of the band. And uh, I really like that part of it too the the difference between you know Nick playing over your chords on the EP, and mm-hmm. now you are really in sync. And I think that there's a great aspect to this whole thing where it's you're all really adept at doing a lot of different things within the larger heading the noodly parts or james's mm-hmm. drums are just going fucking wild on the second half of the thing um it's 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 a really great record just because it's it's like it's all rooted around like pop punk emo and all that but it's mm-hmm. just it's not like we're gonna take this part and we're gonna take this part and we're gonna put it all together it's just like it's very cohesive thank you and yeah it's very very expensive expansive in that way um and i think that it does a thing that like really good first records do um where there's there's always a good song on a first record where it's a track that feels a little bit different from everything else it's something that you know when you look back on it it's like oh this is where they went for the second record or oh this is the thing that they did but they never did again but i'm really glad that they did it here but grand am is a song that's like the ambition on that song and just the way all of that came together it felt a little bit different from the rest of it yeah uh i i agree i i was wondering what song you were gonna say there uh-huh. and i'm like is it grand am and yeah um and that that I've was been doing this for 104 <laughs> episodes i mean i got my get good sometimes all right 
But uh, yeah, that was actually the first song that we wrote together as yeah. a band. Like, no shit. Actually wrote together. Hell um, yeah. Because it was the first song we wrote after the EP. Uh-huh. Um, and that was the first time that Nick and I sat down and like did this whole process together. And it was literally the first thing that us as a band could put forth and say, yep, this is this is what we we did. I like that that song too. It's like there's there's a couple details to it, but the story it's it's not quite as pronounced as everything else. Mm-hmm. You kept it kind of vague. I'm, you know, I I think I know kind of what it's about, but it's also it's a little cryptic in its way. Yeah. Did you want to did you want to like be like, "All right, I'm just going to like hold back on the details." Oh, definitely. Here a because bit. this this was it, you know, the song is kind of referring to someone who I was really close with. Uh-huh. And like in a way, and I was like, they can't know, yeah, who the, or or like I don't want to give enough details about this that the per you know, mm-hmm. it definitely in writing the lyrics for that, I was like, all right, this is going to, this is a song that I know the meaning of, yeah, and then people can interpret whatever way they want, but this is a song that I'm definitely like writing for me. I love that. I love the ownership in that. I love the ownership in a lot of. A lot of things that you have going here, you know the the way that you see yourself on on all of this. It was it was very very tight to see you know the progress from the EP onto this because I think that you've that you've developed a voice that I think people are you know they're clearly latching onto it. I think that the reaction to all of this it's one of those it's one of those things where I think that. I think one of the things that I really like about Chicago, and I I think it's been shown to be a truth over and over again, is that we really, really, like, care about the people who are doing things here. Mm -hmm. And seeing the way this has been received outside of Chicago, seeing people getting stoked about it, that's fucking great, and they should be. Yeah, I I mean, it's... It's insane to me too. I mean, like again, it, it. I mean, it's really cool that everyone here is so supportive and cares and things like that. Like that's just that's awesome in its own sense. But seeing people connect with this music um, is definitely like I'll I'll get messages, like very personal messages sometimes, and like you know sometimes it's a little off putting because I'm like, oh wow, like right. you know, you know, someone feels this in a very very intense way that I only thought that I could feel it. Uh-huh. Um, but it, it's it's really cool to see for sure, and I'm I'm kind of excited to tour on this record to to be able to, you know, connect with people when we're playing shows across the U.S. in places that I've never been. Yeah. You know, if I get to connect with someone in Seattle over a song that I wrote, it's like, oh wow, like this is cool. Yeah, and you know what? It's gonna be cool that you're going to Seattle for the first time. Oh yeah, six weeks. Yes. It's a long one. Uh-huh. It's super exciting. Um, I, you know, there's a lot in in spending the last few days with these records and kind of, you know, putting this interview together and like, you know, having gotten to know you a little bit over the over the couple of years that you've been here, it's just been really inspiring to see you go out and want to do a thing and then do it and then continue to want to do more. It's fucking, it's, it's so dope to see. Thank you. So thank you for, for coming, too. It's a pleasure having you. Of course. Thanks for having me. You have your place here, but now I'm stuck carrying all the weight. But it's all right. 
All right. Hey, there's this feeling of pride in seeing a band work from infancy into a confident force right in front of your eyes, right within your scene. Avery Retirement Party have put together something special here, and it's been a privilege to get to watch the first steps, the first of many. I can't wait to watch this band grow. And it's honestly, it's one of my absolute favorite types of interview that I get to have are, are the ones that come at the beginning, knowing that's just getting started for someone who is doing it with honesty and integrity and is honed in on a voice and a sound that is just going to continue to grow. We've already got something tremendous and somewhat literate. Super thankful to have Avery over and to just see someone who's taking the reins, steering this ship on into the future. Check out Retirement Party online, retirementparty.bandcamp.com. Elton John Cena, Avery's solo project can be found at eltonjohncena.bandcamp.com. Big shout out to Amanda Starling and the Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion podcast. That would be the Amanda that was name-checked in the interview. If you're looking for looking for something to fill the void while I'm gone, check out that fantastic podcast. Check it out either way. Great stuff from the homie. Subscribe to this show on iTunes and Stitcher. That'll let you know when I'm back. Like us on Facebook. Twitter is at betteryetpod. Email is betteryetpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much. Thanks to Avery. Thanks to Chloe and Lily. Thanks to all of you out there. I love you. I'll miss you. I will come back strong, baby. Be good to yourselves. We'll talk soon. Thanks, buddies. Thanks, buddies.